Hello and welcome to Sticky from the Inside, the employee engagement podcast that looks at how to build stickier, competition-smashing, consistently successful organisations from the inside out. I'm your host, Andy Gorham, and I'm on a mission to help more businesses turn the lights on behind the eyes of their employees, light the fires within them, and create tons more success for everyone. This podcast is for all those who believe that's something worth going after and would like a little help and guidance in achieving that. Each episode, we dive into the topics that can help create what I call stickier businesses, the sort of businesses where people thrive and love to work and where more customers stay with you and recommend you to others because they love what you do and why you do it. So if you want to take the tricky out of being sticky, listen on. Okay, imagine this. You're sitting in a room, you're surrounded by your colleagues, and a challenging topic arises. How do you feel? Are you eager to dive into the discussion headfirst, or do you find yourself hesitating, avoiding eye contact, taking a distinct interest in the pattern of the carpet on the floor, hoping someone else will break the silence? And how do you feel about having a similar conversation but in a one-to-one situation. Does that fill you with excitement or dread? Well, in today's episode, we're going to face into those feelings and embark on what I hope will be a transformative journey that will delve into the depths of those difficult conversations we often shy away from or fear, as I invite you to embrace the power of courageous inquiry. Now, courageous inquiry is all about defying the discomfort facing those hard truths and engaging conversations that challenge the status quo and, most importantly, actually matter. It's about mustering the bravery to explore the uncharted territories of our own assumptions and biases at times too. Now, joining us today to guide us through this topic is Tony Jennings. Tony's an esteemed leader who's worked in the incredibly tough world of pharma for over 30 years and is perhaps best known for having the conversations that perhaps others wouldn't. Tony understands the significance of courageous inquiry, particularly for managers and leaders who navigate the complexities of today's ever-evolving workplace. So, with Tony's help, we'll try to unpack the importance of embracing courageous inquiry and the impact it can have on our personal growth and professional success too. I hope she'll lead us through some practical strategies to cultivate an environment where difficult conversations are not only welcomed, but they're cherished and used as catalysts for innovative thought, collaboration, and positive change. So my friends, if you've ever found yourself tiptoeing around challenging topics, if you yearn to empower your teams to engage in more open, honest dialogue, and perhaps if you're ready to embark on your own courageous journey of self-discovery as a leader, then I think you've come to the right place. So get ready to challenge your own perspectives, step out your comfort zone, and embrace the transformative power of conversations that matter and that can hold the keys to growth, more empathy, and progress. Welcome to the show, Tony. Oh, thank you so much, Andy. It's fabulous to be here talking about my favourite subject. Oh, well, I mean, what a a thing to be known for as the person (laughs) who would have... conversations and ask questions that others wouldn't i mean where's that come from is that do you wear that badge with pride 
I do. I do. I think it's one of those things that um, can sometimes be confused with um, directness or challenge. And um, I do an awful lot of coaching. And one of the things that when the one of the first questions I ever ask people is, you know, what do you want others to know you as? What's mm. what do you want them? What's their story when they're talking about you? And often new managers will say, oh, I'm really direct. I like to be really direct and really clear. And I was like, well, they're two very different things. <laughs> so which one is it? So I think, yeah, I do. I do wear that badge of just getting the clarity, but also just being super interested in what my fellow humans are thinking. I'm sure. So yeah, I'm sure this is all going to come out as we dig into this topic. But do me a favor, first of all, Tony. Just give us a little bit of your background so we can see where you're coming from, and and let us know what you're kind of working on or focusing on today. Yeah, no problem at all. So, as you've said, I've been in the pharmaceutical industry for uh, just shy, like six months off, thirty years. Wow. Um, Twenty five years of them as a leader. Uh, the last decade as a senior leader. So I've worked for the top five blue chip pharma companies, it predominantly in sales, but also leading marketing roles as well. So mm-hmm. I come with a, a really broad um, understanding of all the different conversations, both internally and externally, because one of the challenging things around working in the pharmaceutical industry is having ethical uh confident conversations Mm. that potentially have impact on patients lives Mm. the clarity is super important um and they're big organizations thousands of employees so clarity internally is also super important so that's my history i am i'm 51 years old very proud in my 50s loving every minute of it so far um and uh, and currently i run a company with my business partner emma called every connection counts uh, which is a company that specialises in bringing communication across all levels, all industries to life for our customers and the people who work with us. Brilliant. I know Emma and uh, may we'll be working with Emma on other projects in the, in the yeah. very near future, which is exciting stuff. You said right at the beginning that this is your favourite topic. Has it always been? been that way is or where's the fascination where's the connection to today's topic really come from tony well there's actually two elements there's an epiphany that i'll tell you about in a minute but okay. it actually started to resonate with me about 13 years ago i was working in a very challenging environment trying to launch a particular drug that had got approval for funding but we weren't where we wanted to be as an organization. We, we hadn't got patients hadn't got access that we wanted them to have. And what came from that is an incredibly stressful couple of years where we were having conversations across the NHS with patient groups, with doctors, with anybody who could have the conversation with us. And we were trying to persuade them that this was the right thing to do. More patients were going to survive if we got this ex- quite expensive drug compared to what they were currently using to be used and it just wasn't working it wasn't succeeding I wasn't succeeding Mm. it was probably the lowest point in my sales career and I really started to reflect on the why and I was telling 
people. We often try and change people's minds by bombarding them with facts, views, opinions. And we can lose trust at Mm. that point. Mm -hmm. So I started to get fascinated about trust and how it's won and lost, how quickly you can gain trust. And I tweaked and I changed my approach to really focus on being much more curious. Mm-hmm. As an organization, we became more curious as well. It wasn't just me. We started to be curious internally and externally. We started to ask better questions. Was that intentional, we, Tony? Was that was that a, like a definitive yeah. intention? We, we're going to be more curious. I think it evolved. Okay. We started to deep dive the business. And from there came better questions, mm-hmm. better questions that we asked ourselves and better questions we started to ask our customers. I probably didn't know at the time what was happening as clear as I do now with re- looking back. Mm. But when I'm coaching people or training people, it really comes back to the forefront when I experience that inability to ask the question that matters because we're fearing the answer. Mm. And that's just one of the reasons we don't ask it. And I'm sure we'll cover others, but that was the first for me. I don't want to know a no. So I'm not going to ask the questions that matter. And more importantly, I'm not going to ask it because I don't want to lose any further the relationship I think we have. Mm. Because that fear of losing relationships drove me to ask better questions but i think it was probably a quicker way of doing it okay and you mentioned an epiphany so yeah. was there an event a stimulus a thing yeah. um that sure. kind of like really put you down this path i have had the immeasurable good fortune and pleasure to just take six months out of my life and go traveling oh wow So I had my um, teenage gap year in my 50s. (laughs) I would say that's the best time to have it, mate. Oh, it was. I don't think at my 50s. I mean, by the way, I I didn't do it in my 50s so I could afford to do it in luxury. I did it in my 50s and still looked like I was in a gap year. I had like 50 litres of clothing. That's like four pairs of pants, two jumpers and a pair of shorts. Um, I wore the same pair of shoes for six months. Um, but I traveled 13 countries and I got to go from Asia to Australasia, New Zealand, South America, and then into America, um, and then home. And what really, really woke me up in Mm. that trip is how we ask questions, how we are curious with other nations and 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 other communities and when you remove the language barrier sorry when you instill the language barrier you have to lose a lot of what we what i call my fluff words Mm. they're the words that i put at the beginning in the middle and the end to soften everything to to appear softer to appear more approachable But when you don't have that language barrier, the questions are just asked. Mm. They're just asked with clarity. And sometimes that that tension that is created by the directness of that question is removed because we know that they don't have the extra words to use. But it really started to resonate with me. And I've always been good at asking the difficult question. But I had to really dial up my listening. 
I had to really understand what they that trying to understand what they were trying to say without the full ability to understand the language. Mm. And and it just made me even more passionate about that curiosity piece. Watching somebody with you know the most basic of life in compared to our lives in a Bolivian desert where the nearest neighbor is 25 miles away and they they've just got alpacas and a dog and they are communicating and are trying to be curious about me with the most basic of english and my what i like to call spanglish <laughs> which is my spanish english and it just resonated that we waste a lot of time thinking about what we want and what we're trying to get out of conversations instead of just being truly curious about how others how others think and believe it was fascinating and it and it really stuck with me i ended up taking notes in a little book questions that i'd been asked and i thought yeah i'm going to i'm going to use those i like those i mean learning from others is always that i guess where we get some of the deepest learning and i think it's really yeah. interesting we're here to have a, a a chat about conversations that matter and one of the keys to having great conversations is actually not talking is listening we we did an episode with with oscar trimboli on listening and uh, if you haven't listened to that episode go go back it's some frightening stuff about what it really takes to listen i don't mean frightening as in scary just like deep stuff yeah uh, and being conscious about stuff and being intentional about stuff can make such a difference let's get into this topic then right having conversations matter we've used the, the phrase courageous inquiry so perhaps before we dive any further into it what does that mean to you Where, where's courageous inquiry come from how do you define it what's it what's it mean so there are two parts to the, the answer to this. Courageous inquiry at its core is about asking impactful questions of your audience. It's about exploring possibilities. It's about challenging assumptions. It's about seeking understanding. And it's about being okay with tension, mm. if tension is created. And, and for me, it came from watching thousands over my career of sales calls. And I'm going to focus predominantly at this part on selling okay? because actually it's it will come across to leadership because that's where I evolved it into my leadership. But what I tend to see when I'm watching sales calls is a fear of losing a relationship, losing because Often, in certainly in my environment, and it's different for each environment, but in my environment, it was a parent-teacher mm. type of relationship with a pupil because we are talking to surgeons. We are talking to people at the very, very top of their game. And we are trying to help them understand data, which may change their belief system. It may change their behavior. And we train our salespeople to ask good questions questions that are information gathering that we can use as insights to help them we as tailor the message to that clinician. But what tends to happen is that when they disagree with us, we struggle to challenge them mm. because these are experts. But the very best people challenge back. 
Now, challenging back, and this is quite a British thing, and I'm going to be generalising here, is not something that we are encouraged to do from a very young age. We don't answer back. We're allowed to ask why, but probably only for about six months because our parents, and I am a parent, so I can very much agree with this, our parents ask us to stop using why. It just is that way. So I don't know why Santa's not coming in April. It just is that way. And so when you're in that call and they say, I don't agree, we tend to back off because we don't want to lose that relationship. And it's worse since COVID, much, much worse. Because we've got access, much less access to our customers now. And rightly so, the NHS are busy. So we have less access as an industry. So then by challenging their thinking, the individual representative thinks they're challenging that person. Mm. You're challenging an opinion based on data that somebody else has provided. And so that's what it means to me. It means being courageous at the point to say, in order to add value to you, I'm going to ask you a challenging question. Because if I ask that question, I truly think I'm going to add more value because I'm going to give you a different perspective. Are you okay with that? I never have anyone say no because they want that constructive feeling of healthy conflict. But I guess even that positioning is showing it's coming from a good place, right? It's not coming from a point scoring ego place. Yeah. It's intention. Yeah, ab- it's ab- so absolutely. Important. Intention and positioning, I think, is really, really important. Just just indulge me for a sec. You talked about the the Britishness of <laughs> not liking to challenge or question. And in your experience, I'm wondering whether there is a generational piece within here. We are exes, right? Yeah. The greatest generation. <laughs> Obviously. Right. Best music, et cetera. Let's not get yeah. into all of that. No but, helmet. No. <laughs> But boomers and exes, I guess, key generational trait tended to be one of respecting authority or certainly mm-hmm. re- respect. Whereas millennials, Zeds are, are more questioning, right? That there is more curiosity because they've had access to information. They don't take someone's word for it. They can, yeah. they can check you. I mean, I really love being fact-checked doing a workshop nowadays with people on phones and what have you but it's a it's a reality of the situation i don't like kids right it's i'm i'm speaking truth you don't have to fact check me but i wonder if you've seen a difference is there a difference do you Mm. i mean it's social science so it's not going to apply to everybody but what what have you seen with that you know um i'm going to first talk about me as a mother because my first experience is i have a 25 26 year old daughter coming Mm. to 26 and I really worry about this generation. Um, they are more curious, absolutely, but they are very believing of what they read. True. They're believing of what they see. So they don't tend to, de- to dig too much deeper. Mm-hmm. And they never had an encyclopedia that they had to go and have a look at a, a factual inf- piece of information. But they are also have an incredibly high expectation of themselves um and what comes with that is almost they don't have the space to question everything 
because they are competing way more than we had to compete. Um, I got into pharmaceutical sales because I was a six foot blonde. Mm. Um, honestly, I, it's, it's not even a flippant comment. It was when they started to bring more women into the industry. Um, I got spoken to slowly and loudly for the first sort of two years of my career. I'm hilarious. laughing because it's sad. I, I'm not it, la- yeah, it, it is. But you know what? It, it shaped me. I failed a lot. I was not very good. Mm. And I failed a lot. And it was okay. Nobody seemed to care if I failed. I wasn't really competing with anybody. I was Mm. good at what I did. There was loads of us in the industry, thousands more than there is now. Um, But this generation, that generation, so the sort of the, you know, the mid 20s, I think they're struggling a little bit to find out. yeah, to, to 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 have the space to to be able to be as curious as they want to be. But you're right, they question way more than we did. They mm. question way more. But with those questions, I think comes a lot more worry than we had to put up with. Um I, I the middle group, I'm sorry, I'm not very good at the titles. So that sort of the 30s to 40s. That's going to be your millennials today. Your millennials. So your millennial group, I'm co- I've started to coach that group more in uh, emerging senior leadership roles, Mm -hmm. the latter part of the 30s. This is the group I worry the most of. Because if I'm honest, I feel like some some areas, they've been given a 1980s management book and and said, you know, lead lead from the front. You know, they they still haven't quite, they're not as curious as... as, um, They've got the time to be as curious as, as us and the experience. And they're also, they didn't come through the, the 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 generation of my daughters. They're kind of stuck in this area where they are trying to be the best they can be, but they are neither IT brilliant and, and embracing like the younger generation or as okay with failing as the older generation. And so there is differences but I can only say their differences from what I look at in my training courses or my coaching. But I do know that the throughout the red thread throughout all the ages is the brave ones. The ones who are brave and jump are the ones who are, are creative, high communicators, brilliant decision makers, and empowering the people around them to be brilliant, regardless of their age. Yeah, I mean... This wasn't meant to be a generational discussion. Yeah, but you can't help but you, you can't help but kind of like look at it. And yeah, maybe the millennials are the sort of transitional <laughs> generation coming yeah, between one another. I think another. they are. I think they're in a bit of a tough. They've been in a tough spot. I want you to help me out with a couple of things. Then, I mean, yeah. there's a really daft general question I could ask and say, well, why why do, do people have problems asking difficult questions? But also in this kind of courageous inquiry path that you're on is there a meeting point here that sort of answers and breaks down why people would feel fearful of having those those conversations and is there a a process a set of commandments or tenets if you like that sort of instruct how to get the best out of these this type of questioning yeah absolutely the first thing i want to talk about is the trust equation Mm -hmm. So David Meister designed the trust equation. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but I use it in 80% of my coaching. So credibility, reliability, intimacy. 
And interestingly, I watched a, a really good TED talk last week that was um, Frances Frey, who's a Harvard professor who uses a triangle. And she says it's authenticity, empathy and being logical creates trust. But the two, whatever you look at, when we talk about Miles Downey, who did the Unleashing Genius podcast with you, he talks about authentic trust, mm. enabling that authenticity. So the red thread that comes through anybody who has an opinion on trust is intimacy, mm -hmm. is authenticity without self-orientation. Mm. So before we give the formula, if you like, before we give the, the how-to guide, we have to first understand how you create trust. Mm. And you'll often, we've all got people who say, I give trust immediately until it's lost. Or I don't trust anyone. They have to prove themselves. Your subconscious is deciding whether you trust that person before you've even enabled yourself to ask the question. Because the intimacy part of trust and intimacy is not a snog behind the bike sheds, just in case anybody gets confused. But it's that empathetic, authentic communication. So to, before we start any form of um, healthy conflict, constructive tension, whatever it is you want to call it, check trust. And you can get trust very quickly. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at um, uh, Radical Candor, yep. the story behind Radical Candor, walking her dog down the road, ran into a road. The first thing the guy said to her was, I can see how much you love your dog. Mm. I can see how much you love your dog. But if you don't train him, he will die on the road. So within seconds, didn't know his name, didn't know where he's from. There was no relationship, but trust was formed because it had empathy and it had clarity. So we talked at the very beginning about intent. So what is your intention of asking that question? Why are you asking the question? If you're going to ask a difficult question, if you're going to really dig into somebody who works for you, their motivation, their desire to succeed, if you're going to take the time to be curious, what is your intention? Because I tend to find when we do this exercise at ECC or when we're doing the training, uh, intention is often the wrong intention. I'm going to show that person that they're lying. What you lie for? <laughs> and it's like that your intention is to show that person in a light that's not favorable to them. Yeah. You will lose trust immediately and it just becomes aggressive. Self-orientation. So what's your intention? So we do a lot about intention. And then simply put, once we know what our intention is, if this conversation matters, I will prepare that questions, those questions. I will take the time to prepare. Because these are the conversations that really matter, remember. These aren't usually everyday conversations. I do not walk around challenging everybody. I do actually manage to get some friends. But if it matters to me, <laughs> I prepare that question. And then I signpost. I ask permission. Nobody has ever said no. Nobody. Because I use the word value. In order to add value to you, 
I need to ask you a difficult question or a question that may challenge your thinking. Because I really believe I can add value. I can give you another perspective. I can help you explore the consequence of your thoughts or offer you alternatives. But in order to do that, I need to ask you a direct question. Are you okay with that? Mm. And then I ask the question, however uncomfortable it is, I use my body language to show that other person I'm not being aggressive and that my intention is clear and my intention is fair. But the most important thing, Andy, is I just listen and I allow silence. Because when you ask somebody something that may be uncomfortable, and you have to watch this as a leader because we don't do this enough with our people. We sit back and we ask them what they believe. We explore their thinking with them, but we sit back and allow them the space to communicate. So it's not difficult. It's intention, signpost, ask the question, and then listen. I think like a lot of things, having a framework, having some guide rails always takes fear away from stuff, right? Yeah. If you're walking down an icy path, hey, if there's something to hang on to, I'm less worried about slipping over and breaking a, breaking yeah. a wrist, right? And I think it's similar here because I think you've started, for me at least, to begin to touch on to how you create an environment at work where this is okay. You've almost talked about permission. I mean, there's a thing about, yeah. I'm going to ask you a question. Are you okay with that? Because one of the questions I had in my mind, because I think there's fear on both sides sometimes, yeah. right? When we're thinking, or rather when I've been thinking about this topic over the last few days, prepping for today's chat, because it matters to me, right? Yeah. That we have an interesting conversation. To me, it feels like when we talk about this topic of courageous inquiry, we're constantly talking about listening and understanding potentially quite diverse perspectives, mm. right? Our views might not match. Our perspectives may not match. And I think you've just started to ask something or, or talk about something really interesting here from a leadership perspective in that how can we as leaders, here I am putting myself in the leader bracket, how can we as leaders have these conversations but at the same time be wary or stop them turning into unproductive debates yeah. or even arguments when there's a clash of perspectives how's how's that work well i always do uh, a contract with the people who i'm coaching or works with me we we have the conversation mm. but I, I warn you let me tell you what everybody says pretty much everybody says this i ask the question how do you like feedback mm. how do you like me to communicate with you i want you to be direct I can take it, just give it to me. And I'm like, okay, do you want me to try that? Mm. And I, so I ask other questions is when you go home after spending time in my presence, reviewing your business, do you hold on to the things I say? Mm. Does it go through your mind? Do you mull over it? Do you lie in bed thinking, I wonder what she meant by that? Mm. Yeah, sometimes. Okay. So direct feedback is not productive for you. We need to explore each element of it so that when you leave me, you don't have to give it a second thought. Mm. You know what I meant. 
So it's about contracting at that beginning relationship on how best and it evolves. It always evolves, especially when I take on new people. But one of the things that we can't have is interrogation. Mm. So the the courageous inquiry should be very natural and authentic. But when you are having the difficult conversation, it should be just that in that moment. It is not having the difficult conversations all the time. I once knew a guy, he he came um, into our lives and he asked why constantly to me. Mm. I think somebody had asked him, show interest, ask why. All I heard was, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. That's all I could hear every time he spoke to me. And so if he said, help me understand where you, where where that comes from, you know, give me an example so I understand better what you're saying. Small tweaks, Andy, to the questions you ask every day, make them more powerful. These are not reinventing who you are. This is about small tweaks. Mm -hmm. And I always train this. Small tweaks will make it more effective for you. But leaders have to have these courageous conversations when they're needed, but curiosity at all times. So it becomes very natural. It doesn't happen naturally to a lot of people because they are so focused on what they need to do to lead a business. Targets, finances, processes, they take up an inordinate amount of time in a leader's mind that I don't, I'm not sure that they are consciously competent at switching the way they communicate. I'm sitting here thinking how much I resonate with the small tweak stuff because, well, look, you, you, you've, you've done the work, a lot of work on change that that we do, you know, everyone, everyone wants to talk about change today, whether it's changing behavior, changing process, what, 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 change, change is difficult for humans, right? Tiny, changes in behavior are are even more difficult we've all done the exercise where you've asked someone to put their hands together in front of you with and ask them which thumbs on top and then you've asked them to do it again and put the other thumb yeah. on top how does that feel right uncomfortable right go back and put your hands on top immediately people go back to where they're comfy with their thumb on top and that's a tiny 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 little behavioral mm-hmm. change yeah it feels really uncomfortable i think this thing about small tweaks is fascinating because we need to take these tiny little steps in order to practice and embed so it does feel natural to both parties right there's no point sitting into one in a one-to-one or in a meeting with a script of questions that you methodically tick off and go down because that is not going to elicit the sort of responses that we're talking about here that there is no listen there is no intentionality there is no individual focus there there is not coming from a good place. It's the process rather than the outcome that you're focused on. And mm-hmm. I think I'm listening to you thinking about focus on the outcome and coming from a good place. Yeah. Um, goodness knows how many adjectives I've written down since you've started speaking about what this all, <laughs> what this all means. But just come back to that thing you, you, that you've talked about contracting and s- small tweaks in intentional behavior. And the answer may may still be the same, Tony. When we're having difficult conversations, the freight the, the the environment is normally that something isn't working or someone yeah. isn't performing or something's not clicking. Now, as humans, we are beautiful, wonderful sacks of emotions. How do we manage 
that challenge that could be seen as insensitive, right? Mm. That could unintentionally end up hurting, derailing, whatever it might be. I mean, you you may well have answered it already in what you've just sort of said about the contracting and permission and all that sort of stuff, but it's a fine line, right? That, that, yeah, it that is. No, it is. And, and it's a fine line that you um, – that's why I say you need to assess trust. Yeah. Um, if you don't have trust, don't go bombarding people with questions that are intimate. Mm. Be careful with – and this is another thing that I think we need to just be a little bit careful of, mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. I – I'm so grateful we now talk about all parts of our health, mental health, uh, physical health. It used to just be physical health. Now we talk about how are we keeping a healthy field force, Mm. a healthy business, all parts of that. And emotional health is as, as important now. I love that. The danger is we have unqualified people counseling anybody who will who will listen yeah so as a leader i am very clear about what is coaching and what is mentoring and what is feedback and what is counseling and sometimes when i ask questions of people who work with me that are difficult it's emotional Mm. and that's okay I just give them the space to have that. I don't advise. I'm not qualified, but I listen. Mm. I also um, empower them to feel that it's okay. We're humans. We have got to stop this ability, this, this inability to think, I just want everyone to see me as perfect or I want to be successful. Successful is is like climbing a, a mountain range. You'll get to the top of one mountain. It's the bottom of another. Um, and so it, I think it was Albert Einstein. I go back to Miles talking about Albert Einstein as being one of the geniuses. And he said, I have no special talents. I'm just passionately curious. Mm. And I'm a passionate person. So I I just I'm authentic. And if you if if this goes into an area that's uncomfortable, my authentic self will give you space to do that. And one other question around around the role that you play in setting the environment, leading the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, listening all that kind of good stuff. There'll be people listening to this feeling out of control Mm -hmm. potentially in that situation going into a situation where the conversation could go in many directions someone could break down cry feel uncomfortable dealing with that people could get properly vexed and argumentative people could completely shrink and shut and shut down and you you would potentially lose some authority in that sort of situation are there any tricks tips rules that you follow to help you maintain that authority whilst being that authentic intentional genuine curious self so i tend to work in an authority rather than in authority so i'm an authority in leadership Mm. but i'm i try not to i try not to come at things in authority Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because i do i just do a different job to the people who work for me i just do a different job it's that's what it is i have responsibilities and i have i'm accountable but i just do a different job 
Um, and so what I try and do, I try and make sure that I've got a strong enough relationship with that individual to have a difficult conversation. Now, the most difficult conversations I've ever had are with strangers. I don't believe COVID happened. You know, you, that's a difficult conversation to have. That's a conflicting conversation <laughs> of somebody that has a completely different view to me. Mm. And that can get heated, mm. really heated, really quickly. What I tend to say, what I tend to use, the types of questions that I will prepare in my mind while they're ranting on data or an opinion, I will ask what assumptions you're making. I'll also ask what alternatives. So if what you say is true, what's the what's the what's the alternative reason? Mm -hmm. I help people keep talking by asking the good questions that help them keep talking while I use my voice and my tonality to bring it down and to relax it because conflict has to be constructive or it's just conflict. And by the way, conflict happens to me as well. I tend to walk away from true conflict, like real conflict. It's like, it's unproductive. It's not, it doesn't help my creativity and it, it really stretches my communication um, I'm prone to swearing when it gets to that point. And I think I probably have lost, but it's never happened at work. It's never happened in a one-to-one and it's never happened in a coaching. But I want to, I want to just give everyone that's listening a piece of advice. Mm. Be brave. Small tweaks, try it out. Mm. But do ask the question you want to ask. Mm. Ask it as it is in your head. Because I don't get rejected because my intention is to understand. But if you ask the question and then just keep talking about what you want, that self-orientation and you'll lose trust. But be brave. I had I was on another podcast recently and they asked me what, you know, I, I use bravery quite a lot. And, and uh, interestingly, my daughter has it tattooed in my handwriting on her hip. Wow. Be brave. Nice. Be brave. I want to... All- I would link to another tattoo, a worse tattoo, is that uh, don't have any regrets uh, by not asking those questions, right? <laughs> Classic tattoo. I love that. <laughs> I love that. I was, by the way, mortified that my daughter had written on herself. However, it was my handwriting and it was cool and it was what I always say. So obviously I'm going to tell everybody about it. <laughs> Listen, my daughter is two tattoos in and... Uh, I've got know. a tattoo, so I can't, I, can't, um, I can't throw stones in that house. I hey. would have more if um i hadn't upset my mother with the first <laughs> i think i would just look daft um <laughs> you've started to give some advice and start to make it pointed and potted and you know it's amazing how quick 40 odd minutes go it really is. <laughs> but we're at the point in the show tony that i call sticky notes and so if we're thinking about leaving the listeners with three simple bits of advice that they could stick on little sticky notes to take away and we're thinking about this bravery, this courageous inquiry, asking the questions that matter. What would you put on your three sticky notes, my friend? I've listened to your podcast and I absolutely love it. And and I really struggled to find that absolutely <laughs> I had five and I'm, you know, I can't follow a brief. Um, but I have I have narrowed it down to three. And the first one is something um a fabulous manager who worked for me um at AstraZeneca. I stole it from him. His name is Darren Young, so I'm going to give him credit for this. He was a he was a fabulous leader, and um, 
he used to say to me, first seek to understand before you seek to be understood. And I've always loved that. And I think as leaders, we tend to try and be understood. So seek to understand first. My second is be curious. Build your curiosity muscle. Ask great questions that elicit a different response than the questions that you're used to asking and listen to the answers. And the third one has to be be brave to be authentic. Whoever you are and whatever your story is, you're the best at being you. And if you come at anything with authenticity and the right intention, you're going to succeed in any conversation you have. So just be brave. I'd love that. Didn't sound like you struggled at all with those sticky notes, Tony. There. Oh, I had the- like 15 others I really wanted to put, um, I, you know. I, I'm, as I say, I really had to think about that. And I loved thinking about it because it really helped me distill, for me, what it means. Um, curiosity, bravery, and understanding. I love that. So look, using empathy, mm. having clarity, being driven by intent, being authentic, showing bravery, taking responsibility, listening and understanding, and then showing real curiosity. I mean, what a fabulous collection of words that we've been using today to describe this thing about having conversations that that matter. Tony, I have really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on. I have too. Um, where can people find out a bit more about about you and, and perhaps uh, all this inquiry stuff? Where where could where can people go? So they can come and uh, talk to us at Every Connection Count. So ECC, but yeah, come come and talk to us. And and I think the great thing about Every Connection Counts is we called it that because every connection does count. Every time that we approach any conversation, it counts to somebody. And we just want to make people brilliant communicators, great leaders, and and really enjoy it. High energy enjoyment, and everybody learns. And uh, the small tweaks that we'll help people have, the, the small tweaks to what they do every day, can make huge differences. Uh, look, I'm 100% into that. And I will put all of that stuff in the show notes so people Thank can you. get hold of you. Brilliant. Tony, you take care, and I, I know I'll see you again soon. Thank you so much, Andy. Okay, everyone, that was Tony Jennings. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about her or any of the topics we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have, Please like, comment and subscribe. It really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.